Welcome to Supply Circles, stories from the innovators, disruptors, and improvers in supply chain management today, brought to you by AI Group. Hello, I'm James Scotland, and this is Supply Circles. In this podcast series, I interview supply chain professionals and influencers, and we discuss the latest ideas and concepts, and I seek new tactical and strategic solutions to the current three big issues of supply chain digitalization, decarbonization, and ongoing disruptions. Today, I'm talking with Tim Owen from an industry cooperative called Hunter Defense. I'm going to chat with him about the benefits of supplier cooperatives within structured supply chain. Tim is a passionate industry advocate, a passionate believer in business, uh, and he's a damn good fellow. So I'm pleased to have him on the show. You know, a key aspect of being successful within modern supply chains is in understanding the changing face of success, the changing demands of our clients, changing expectations. And this is even harder within the dynamic and changing, yet structured and highly regulated supply chains, such as defence industry, oil and gas, and a few others. The structured supply chains operate in a clearly defined hierarchy of a major buyer that contracts a package of works to a small number of T1 contractors or primes. And from there, there's a cascading levels of suppliers, T2, 3, and 4. And each level has to manage the level below them. Then there are demands and expectations at every level. And in the defense industry, for example, these demands and expectations are very specific and very demanding. So it's hard to keep up to date with all of this. It's hard to keep up to date with what's required of you, how to keep up to date with how you respond. Suppliers and potential suppliers need to understand and learn all of these things. They need to work out what new work is available. They need to know how to access the supply chain, how to tender for work from the primes. They need to know all the specific requirements of being a supplier. And they need to know what constitutes success and failure and how to manage their suppliers to ensure a compliance and success. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. And that's when industry networks and hubs can help. Tim operates a very, very effective network, and I'm keen to learn how he does it, why it works so well, how he keeps his businesses up to date and engaged. For, for clarity, Tim and I run similar defence industry networks. I manage the newly created Western Sydney Defence Suppliers Network for the AI Group, and Tim is the chair of the well-established and very effective Hunter Defence in the Newcastle region. He is a living legend in the Hunter region. He's known to everyone, and uh, it's always great to have a chat. So welcome, Tim. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, James. Wow, what an introduction. Fantastic. Let's <laughs> <laughs> set the bar high, and then we can just come from there. Now, you know what? Like, everyone knows that you're a living legend in the Hunter region, but not maybe everyone listening in knows your background. Why don't you give us the, the Tim Owen story quickly? and uh, and and what have you done? And what do you do now? What's Hunter, Net, uh, Hunter Defence? Okay, um, background, I had about 32 years in the Royal Australian Air Force. Um, made, got to a relatively high level within that organisation, James. I left in uh, 2010, following a year in the Middle East as um, the Deputy Commander of the Australian Forces. I spent a small amount of time in politics in the New South Wales State Government. And then, um, and we did quite a bit of great work in the Newcastle and Hunter region at that time. And now 
I chair an organisation, as you referred to, called uh, effectively the Hunter Defence Task Force, which which is essentially the, the background and the mechanism with which we run Hunter Defence. And um, it's a collaboration of cooperatives, if I could put it that way. And our role, essentially, if you look up, is at government and the major primes is to articulate the value proposition of what our industry does in the defence space within our region. And at a small and medium enterprise level, we do our very level best to educate and allow, well, allow is the wrong word, to to make our industry in the region as competitive as they can be to compete in the global supply chain, either in their own right or as subcontracting to the major primes, as you alluded to. And so out of those cooperatives, we probably represent around 110 to 115 businesses in the region. So that's a little bit of a potted history of where we're at. That's a great history. Can I take you back to to uh, the Middle East and where you were um, assistant commander? Is, uh, I think deputy commander. Yep. Well, people talk to me about defence, and they always sort of say it's so hard to get into. And and I I like to refer to the fact that uh, the whole point of defence is that when the commander, the the, the, the brigadier or the major general, whoever's the warfighter is, says I need uh, this to happen at that time at this place, everything must happen. And everything must work. There can't be the uh, failure. You you can't sort of say, let's send some some vessels on a on a on a on a ship over to a Pacific island. The ship breaks down when they get to the Pacific island. The cars don't start. The guns don't work. The the food doesn't work. And so, if you're going to, if defence are going to buy anything, they must have absolute belief that it's going to work at the time. Is that the fundamental of defence industry? Well, it is. I mean, particularly in a country at the scale of ours where we have a very, very small defence force. I mean, you know, to put it in context, the defence force in, the, in, the, uh, in Australia is half an MCG crowd. And I'm talking Army, Navy and Air Force here. So it is a very, very small defence force. And it's a way to ameliorate, I suppose, that lack of, of population and quantity we need the best. We need the best quality equipment that we can possibly afford to have, and to allow our warfighters in those three domains. Well, expanding domains now in the cyber domain, the space domain, the land, maritime, and air domains to be able to be as effective as they can be, um, noting the very very small numbers that we have. So that's, I suppose, in in a in a way, why we spend so much time, money, and effort in this country to buy the absolute best equipment and design the best equipment that we can afford to buy. And it's expanding, isn't it, Tim? We've got uh, uh, new domains to fight, such as space and cyber, but also the geopolitics is uh, is changing rapidly around us. I was actually talking to a colonel in the Defence Force this morning, and he said it's getting very real now. We did some stuff before. So we can expect the defence industry to, to expand? Mm, I think so. Uh, we can expect the Defence Force to expand um, as long as the current government uh, continues on that expansion road that the previous government, government announced uh, in the order of around 80,000 as the scale of the Australian Defence uh, establishment. But yes, you are right in the context of the geopolitics that we live in are becoming closer and closer to home. Um, and you can see 
what's actually happening in Ukraine. While it's not close to home, it gives us a very good insight into what what modern war fighting capability is required. Regarded instead of well, not instead of, but versus what we traditionally thought was a, was the 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 war fighting capability of our country. There are, you know, when you look at unmanned capability and and long range strike, there systems that are coming very much to the fore in the Ukraine. And as you have mentioned, you can see what is happening in the South China Sea and what potentially could occur in terms of a major, um, not necessarily adversarial, but a major player in our region who doesn't necessarily accord with the way we as the West think about freedom and democracy. Uh, It's the potential of being right on our doorstep. So. There is a level of immediacy. There's no doubt. And 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 just being ready doesn't mean that you're expecting a fight. You know, it just means that you're ready for anything. That's what we need to do. Mm. So with businesses, um, we've established the fact that the defence is very uh, demanding and there's high expectations. There's a structure, and also there's probably expansion going on. How do you go about making sure that the businesses in the hunter are engaged with that? What's your What's the basic proposition, I guess, for businesses? Well, the basic proposition for businesses is that, you know, uh, probably one of the key things we've learnt, if I can step back a bit out of COVID, was that, you know, reliance on overseas supply can be fraught with danger. And we only effectively went through a pandemic. Think about it in a, in a national emergency and the fact that our sovereign capability to support our fighting forces, we have let dwindle over many, many decades. We've relied on foreign supply, foreign global supply chains, and we have let the sovereign capability of our industry wither on the vine to a degree. So there's been a stark realisation that industry needs to be given the opportunity or needs to be funded to be able to generate that supply chain support to the fighting men and women of the Australian Defence Force and the defence of our nation. So that is a very, very important thing in terms of if you want, I suppose, some um, enthusiasm or some way of looking forward to sort of say, how do we as industry um, compete in this game and support it? It's about Australian industry content and building sovereign capability in our nation to defend the nation and to support our fighting forces. So there's not much. There's not a lot of. There's not a lot of. Um, how do I put it? You, you don't. You can bring. It's easier to bring the the industry to the to the table now because they can see the effects of what occurred practically in COVID. And as I said, in a defence emergency, it would be, you know, ten times as bad as this. Yeah, I mentioned there's a lot to learn though, because it's not just a case of saying I'm a good business. I you know, I, I, I'm good at fabrication, so you know, <laughs> let's buy some of my products. There's a there's a fair bit to go through, and uh, I and, and I know that you do very good training. How do you keep businesses convinced that it's worthwhile going along that path? Is it just by saying there's so many opportunities, or do you have this idea of saying this makes you a better business anyway? It's a bit of all of that, I think, James. To be honest, and and you referred to we. We've run a series called the Defence Readiness Seminar Series in the last year and a half uh, during COVID, actually, which was an online series that that covered a lot of those key points on how 
you compete well in the defence space, things like quality management requirements, the security requirements, the cyber requirements, et cetera, et cetera, even things like business development in defence. It's somewhat different at times to what you would see in the commercial sector. So we, 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 we give uh, businesses, I suppose, in a way, the skill set to be able to compete. But in the end game, it's about, you know, there is a big bucket of money. Um, and you would have seen announcements over the last year to two years where, you know, we are committing an extra, close to an extra 300 billion in terms of capability to buy for the Australian military. Well, a lot of businesses want a bit of that. <laughs> and, and to be successful and to make money, um, you know, you've got to be in a position where you are well prepared to compete in that game. So to a degree, it's about sovereign capability, but also it's also about, you know, practical business issues. It's about the balance sheet. And if you've got a good capability and you can sell it to defence, um, there is a lot of money to be made. So this doesn't really suit small businesses? Oh, it does. It very much suits uh, small businesses. When we talk about euphemistically a thing called the global supply chain, um, you know, that that is about the the... The ants on the elephant, um, they are SMEs within our, within our country who are in a position uh, to be able to compete for, uh, in their own right, particular contracts, but importantly also significant subcontract support to a lot of the major primes that we deal with. And while they are US to a degree and British, um, if you like, Australian, uh, you know, Australian businesses, Really, it's it's the SMEs in our part of the world who build the capability. The major players are not builders of equipment. They are system integrators. The people who manufacture effectively are 80% of the time Australian businesses who are manufacturing and the bigger prime does a lot of the systems integration work. Yes, yeah, so this really is, a, this really is a, a supply chain situation where there is smaller companies feeding into a system rather than just a big organization per se. Mm. It's a systems thinking. Uh, one of the things you hear a lot and people, people sort of get confused about is there's an acronym, the AIP, um, Australian Industry Participation, I think, and then there is Global Supply Chain. Just like you just mentioned, can you just explain the difference or is there a difference? Is it the same thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there, is, there is some differences and there are and there's a lot of similarities. I mean, you know, it, it all, again, it comes back to what I've spent, said a couple of times before. Um, we need to have sovereign capability in our country to be able to support the defence uh, infrastructure, the defence beast here within this country. So, you know, th- they compete also, though, in that context within a global, you know, in a global market. So let's take the F-35 instant, for instance, the Joint Strike Fighter, which primarily is housed in our region, you know, there is global supply chain all around that aircraft. And there are a number of companies throughout the world who participate in that global supply chain, which who make the equipment to that large systems integration piece, which is essentially the aircraft. So it's about sovereign capability, but it is also about export opportunity and also participating in large global programs. And that's a very, that's a key example of how there have been billions of dollars made by Australian companies 
in the F-35 program, and primarily because we are a participant in that program for obvious reasons, but it's, it's a bit of both, if you know what I mean. After the break, let's come, talk, come back and talk with Tim Owen. If you have supply chain or business improvement challenges, contact AI Group's Business Improvement and Growth Hub. The Big Hub is a library of practical and relevant resources designed to assist member businesses to grow and improve. The Big Hub also includes an extensive network of experienced, pre-qualified business improvement consultants. For more details, contact big at aigroup.com.au. That's big at aigroup.com.au. It's an inspiring story that you tell that uh, it's a big beast. It's a monster global beast with with a lot at stake, and yet um, it's possible to be the fleas on the elephant. It's, it's, yeah. it's possible to be the end on the elephant, that it is possible for SMEs. I imagine in your network there is a lot of situations where two business people have met at one of your functions and they've started incorporating together in order to increase their, their capability for defence. Do you see that kind of networking growing as time mm. goes on? Yeah, very much so. In fact, some of the forums and, and conferences that we run, one of the biggest takeouts is the networking opportunity. You know, you, you may see a business five kilometres down the road and you go, oh, I didn't know you did that. You know, so those networking opportunities grow um, and, and, and allows you, and, and we tend in the Hunter as well, <clears throat> pardon me, to bring a manufacturing clusters together. So we might have four or five businesses who have not necessarily similar capabilities, but capabilities that complement each other. And then we can bid for bigger contracts as a collective group. Um, and so we tend to do quite a bit of that. Or we might look at an advanced manufacturing group who might be able to meet some significant requirements for a major prime for a particular project. So we do quite a bit of that work as well. But you are correct. Networking is, to be frank, 60 or 70% of it. And what we also tend to do in this region is we bring the major primes in on a regular basis who will talk about programs they're going to be bidding for. They will also then articulate the subcontracting opportunities as they see them to meet particular AIC requirements that are put on them by defence. And so we then have an opportunity to work closely with those primes and talk individually, companies one-on-one with them or collectively as a group to say, well, look at our region. Here's what we're good at. Here's the capability that we have. Here's the capacity we have to support your program. AIC being Australian industry capability. Yeah, and yeah, you, it, Australian industry capability, Australian industry content. What you tend to, in, in the major contracts within defence, you, you know, we call it AIC, it's content. So content. there may be a major project where defence will stipulate 55% of this must be AIC. Yeah, right. So, you know, they've got to go out and find companies who can do that. But it's interesting to hear you talk about clusters. Overseas clusters are a big deal. In Europe in particular, they are a big deal because they have these sort of small areas where they bring all the businesses together and say, how about we as a, as a collective um, solve this problem? In Australia, traditionally, it hasn't been the way we operate. We tend to be more, more competitive than collaborative. And, and, and partly that's because people aren't, aren't prepared necessarily to work together. So I'm keen to see, how, how do you make that work? How do you get them to trust each other? How do you get them to work together? 
it's not competitive, is it? You bring in uh, aligned industries that can work together to to solve a problem. Yeah, I mean, there, there, you will never you will never get rid of completely the competitive tension, uh, but you know the 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 idea, the way we tend to work within the Hunter Defence Task Force and within Hunter Defence is to say, well, not everybody's going to get an equal slice of the pie, but if we can grow the pie for the region, generally we all benefit. So, you know, I think we've we've been doing this for a number of years. So, you know, we, we formed, and I'll give you a prime example. We've just formed what we call a simulation alliance. So think of simulation synthetic development, virtual reality, augmented reality. We have a number of businesses in our region who are very, very good at that, and they tend to win a lot of contracts between them. But as a, as a cluster, um, what we're doing is then pitching to the broader defence market to say, if you want simulation, synthetic development work, virtual reality, augmented reality, come to the hunter. We call ourselves Simulation Valley, like <laughs> like sim, like Silicon Valley. So every everybody and and you know it's sort of one of those things where the more you put it out there, the more contracts you win, the more work you tend to do together. While everybody does not necessarily get an equal slice of the pie, the more people look at it and go, hmm, "Simulation, let's look at the Hunter because they've got a name for it." Yeah. You know, so in the end game, everybody benefits. You're a marketer as well as a. Uh... <laughs> of course, <laughs> you can market well. What was uh, the new space all about? You know, the space, the space frontier. Is that a reasonable area where Australian businesses can 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 operate? Can we have any any say there? Or is that too high tech for us? No, 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 not at all, not at all. If you look at some of the work that Gilmore Space is doing, while they're not located in the Hunter, um, they've done they're doing some very very good work, and I I can't go into a lot of detail. They're about to launch their first satellites into space. Um, there's a company called. called but this Rio. is not this is not deep space. Is it? This is not Star Wars. This is a low orbital space. Is where we're we're protecting our our satellites. Is that? Yeah. No. 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 Well, I mean, they're a space launch company. Think of think of SpaceX, Elon Musk. Think of an, an Australian version of that. That's Gilmore Space. Um, and there are a number of other companies stepping into that realm. Uh, there's a company called Leo Labs, as you've mentioned before. And, and other companies that are doing what we call space situation awareness, looking at low Earth orbit, as well as higher orbit and geosynchronous in terms of collision avoidance and right. also tracking um, objects, be they satellites or debris in space. So there is a real opportunity for us. And, and frankly, um, there's been a, um, in that particular realm, there's been a bit of a hole in terms of the Southern Hemisphere, what we can actually see. In the southern hemisphere so it makes sense that some of that work is done in this part of the world but you know uh there's there we are i don't you know i think we really do have a great opportunity to make a name in space and launch our own capabilities and support the rest of our allies as well from the right inclination out of a southern hemisphere country if mm. i can put it that way yeah yeah, there really is a lot of opportunities for for suppliers for supply chains to develop. You know, I, I, I've shared with you before. I'm really excited that about defence industry because I think we can build a really robust, modern supply chain into into defence. And I like what you what you're saying there. The other other areas are um, unmanned, although I've been told they've got to call them uncrewed uh, platforms. Right, unmanned. Um, <laughs> 
so and then that's basically drones, but some of them are underwater, some of them are in the air, some of them are flying around the satellites. There's opportunities there as well. I, I guess the question is, is how does a business in your in Newcastle recognise what they can do there? Is it just get involved with 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 the hunter, or do they need to do a whole bunch of other stuff to to research it? I would think as a business person, I'd be saying, "Oh, this sounds very hard to me." Well, that's why we have put a, put programs in place to be able to take the mystique away from it. I mean, it's you know. There are there are a number of businesses who are already in it. It's not rock. Well, I shouldn't say it's not rock, <laughs> rocket science. It is I, rocket science. Yeah, it is. But but it's about it's not brain surgery. Oh, it might be. Uh, yeah, okay. But it's about it's about preparing businesses as best they can. It's why we ran this defence readiness seminar series. Yeah. So we prepare them at least as best we can, so they have the knowledge to make a decision one way or the other whether they want to compete in the defence space. Then because we work very closely and collaborative together, collaboratively together, we, we understand what the contracting opportunities are that are coming out of the investment plan, which is the, you know, the big trains, planes and automobiles we're going to buy effectively for the ADF. Um, and then we work very, very closely with the major primes as, as well as government to be able to articulate what the requirements are and what the capability needs to be and the capacity to be able to compete to win contracts in that space. You know, it's, as I said, it's not difficult, but it's a, it's, a, it's a body of work that you have to do so that companies aren't just sort of stabbing in the dark. Yeah, and right. We, yeah. And we try to lead them. You yeah, know, we yeah, try like to. That. So we rather than to. just don't, don't try and do it on your own, mate, come and ask some people about how to get where where best to to do the stabbing? You also raised a really good point about it's not just space and and fancy new new sexy fighter jets. It's also you know cars and trucks and uniforms and it's food and yeah. and everything that a, a whole city needs. Uh, but there's a lot of cities around. Every base is a city, uh, and every unit needs a whole bunch of stuff, don't they? Well, I mean, the ADF needs toilet paper all the way through to Joint Strike Fighters. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. and within, within, for instance, the Hunter Defence Task Force, we have the Master Builders Association. Uh-huh. Of course, there's a lot of stuff to be built. And they have both Tier 1 and Tier 2 contractors in that context. So we try to give it a level of breadth. And you are completely right, James. It's, it's toilet paper, toothpaste, food, catering, buildings. Medical services, uh, accommodation medical services. services. All of those things. Yeah. 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 So it's... Yeah, very much so. I keep telling people that when I met you in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the potential of a or the probability of an East Coast submarine base being built, the largest base to be built since a Robinson Barracks was built in Darwin back in the 90s. And it's a, yep. no, it's a big deal. Uh, and there's three possibilities, Brisbane, um, Newcastle or Jarvis Bay. I made the point that I thought probably Jarvis Bay. And you went on to a passionate defence of why Newcastle should be the choice. <laughs> and I kept telling people that 10 minutes into the, your passionate passionate defence, I thought, hang on a minute, you're from Newcastle. <laughs> you get paid to do that. But that's exciting, isn't it? That's going to be a big base. I don't think people quite understand when they say we're going to build a submarine base. This is not just putting up some some piers and a few sheds. This is a big deal. Wherever it goes, it's going to be a big deal for, for business everywhere, isn't it? Mm, it is. It's a whole-of-nation requirement. I, I mean, it's- we should not underestimate 
what the scale of a, if we are to go down a nuclear powered submarine route, um, you know, it is a whole of nation issue. And, and the reason, and I'm not going to try and sell your listeners in on Newcastle, <laughs> but, but, you know, all I can, all I can do as the, as essentially, I suppose, uh, uh, the chair of industry here is to articulate the capability that we have in this region to support something of that nature, whether it's submarines or it's a broader East Coast basing requirement, which I think is a smart strategic decision to do that in a broader sense than just Garden, Garden Island, then you know we have a capability in terms of shipbuilding heritage. We have very, very capable companies in this region that build extremely complicated combat systems and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So this region has a has a very strong, highly technical blue-collar workforce as well. So when you roll all that together, yeah. if you're thinking of diversifying the the hunter economy to a degree away from fossil fuels, then this is a perfect way to look at that. Well, that's- I'm, glad, I'm glad you didn't try and sell us on the hunter. <laughs> uh, the, look, the purpose of this chat was to try and um, flesh out the fact that defence is a big, unwieldy, massive beast going in all sorts of different uh, directions and there's a massive procurement process. But it is possible by just understanding who uh, your key contacts to bring it down to a, a starting point and, and to get some good advice on how to build a supply chain. I think you've articulated that very well for me and thank you, Tim. My last question, I guess, is about communication. How do you communicate with the, the businesses? Is there some sort of secret high-tech defence, you know, infrared communication system going on or is it good old-fashioned, let's get together and have a, a presentation and a beer? We do a bit of both. Um, we we met- both? You have a secret? <laughs> no, we don't. Um, we, the Hunter Defence Task Force, which has a not, all, not all industry is part of that, I, well, attends the meetings, but certainly they're, they're cooperative leads. We meet on a monthly basis. We talk about exactly the issues we've been talking about today. What are the opportunities? What do they look like? Where do we feel we have a match with industry within our region? Um, so we meet on a monthly basis and then we send that information out to the members. We also run forums, a number of forums on an annual, on a, on a, uh, sorry, on a, a quarterly basis where we talk about those projects. We bring major primes in. We bring government in. We get ministers in to talk about where they're going. And we run annually a Hunter Defence Conference, which is the only regional defence conference in Australia. And that's held in the Hunter. And we're in our 10th year of running that. And there we get uh, the politicians, the key capability managers from Army, Navy, Air Force and space, as well as the major primes to talk directly to about 80 to 100 companies in the audience about where they see things going over the next year. And that's how you do it. When I, uh, when I was a young man, I was, uh, I was a pretty successful sales manager and I went over to operations uh, and started running supply chains. Um, so I've been in supply chains for a long time. But I've said to many people over the years, I sell more often when, I'm, when I was in operations than I ever did in sales. Uh, because you're always trying to do it. You're a great salesman. I've loved hearing your passion. And, and, and thank you so much for explaining it. Been good to chat to you, mate. Look forward to catching up soon. Um, and um, and let's uh, let's keep talking. Thanks for joining okay. the podcast. Absolute pleasure, James. Thanks very much.